Uh, yeah, I, it was a great experience. Obviously, I live in the city, and um, the city was buzzing all weekend. It was a fantastic atmosphere. There were a lot of great events, be it the fanfare, um, various people hosting things at Nathan, Nathan Phillips Square. Um, yeah, overall, I, I was really pleased with the weekend, and obviously the cherry on top being Olympic participation. Yeah, it's true. It's it's a that's a great story. I liked it because the 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 skills competition was fantastic. McDavid wins that, and then I liked the the Matthews versus McDavid because I I will tell you that I live for the day when these two teams, Toronto and Edmonton, meet in a Stanley Cup final. I think Canada might melt, but it would be a great series. Oh, that would be the biggest contributor to global warming in a very long while. Like not to mention the fact that the GDP of the country would tank that year, because I mean, when you think about it, 25% of the population lives in the GTA. And if the Leafs are in the cup final and they're facing another Canadian team, like nobody's going to work. No. No, so, uh, yeah, I would, I would actually, I'd love to see it. I think it'd be great for the game. Yeah, I think, I think the Simpsons might invade Canada during that time because nobody's going to be paying attention to anything but the hockey series. Um, so last week there were two trades, uh, Calgary and Vancouver, and then uh, the Habs and Jets got together. And I can see the points on both sides. Some people said that maybe Vancouver gave up too much, but you, you're somebody who really analyzes these things. What was your take on those two trades? I think both teams gave up too much. I think Winnipeg gave up far too much, and it was probably a reaction to missing out on Lindholm. And I think uh, Vancouver gave up too much. Having said that, um, I think part of this is an insurance policy on Elias Pettersson mm-hmm. because it obviously doesn't make any sense to have Lindholm, Pettersson, and if you believe Miller is a center, then Miller. Like, you can't have an eight and a half or $8 million third-line center. It doesn't work like that. So I think this is almost an insurance policy is if Pedersen stays, maybe they keep Lindholm and move Miller to the wing. But if Pedersen doesn't stay, then you can roll with Petter, uh, with Lindholm and, and Miller. And so I think if you don't re-sign Lindholm, you gave up way too much. Uh, if you do re-sign him, then it's probably a decently appropriate amount. But obviously then you might risk losing Pedersen. The other question I have, and you know, you've worked in in hockey when things like this are occurring. So you're a team that maybe needs a center, and two guys are off the board. Do you think a player like Adam Henrique will go soon and for higher than estimated because they're running out of centers quickly because they're falling off the map? I think you saw that with Sean Monahan, right? The Jets yeah. moved really quickly and they definitely overpaid. Um, I think with Adam Henrique. I don't know that necessarily they're going to be in a rush. Like I wonder if Anaheim says we're happy to wait and create a bidding war. Now you could always risk injury. Um, So I don't think I'd necessarily do that. I mean, if Anaheim gets offered a first round pick for Adam Henrique in a package that they like, I don't think that there's any sense that you, you hold off to create a bidding war, especially when you consider that a player could get hurt at any given point. Rachel, the, the owners are rumored to be involved in with a lot of right-handed defensemen, real or imagined rumors about Walker in Philly, Carrier in Nashville, Tanev in Calgary, maybe Wah in Los Angeles. Um, and the assumption is that at some point that would be to replace Cody Cece, so he'd be going out, maybe not with all of those characters, but some of them at least. Uh, how much of an upgrade are, are any or all of those on Cody Cece? I think Walker is is an upgrade and Matt Roy is an upgrade. Um, I think it depends. If you're getting Cody Cece at the peak of his talent, like when he plays well, 
uh, he, he's pretty good. He's obviously not like a top four defenseman, but he's he's a contributing player. I think Carrier, um, he's having a good year, and I'm not sure he's a long-term solution for Edmonton. Whereas I think if you could get somebody like Walker, like Matt Roy, they could be somebody that actually comes in and, and fits well. And then uh, your right side looks a little bit better. Uh, you, obviously, you've got Bouchard, but um, from a defensive perspective, getting in somebody like a Walker or a Matt Roy, I think could be really helpful to, to anchor that second pair with Matthias Ekholm. Um, I think that could be a solid fit. Do, do you, like, trading in the division, it does happen. We just saw it last week with the uh, Calgary and Vancouver. But L.A. and Edmonton, you know, the, uh, they'd have to be well out of it, right? Like assured of not having any chance to make a move like that in Los Angeles. And they'd have to be overpaid by plenty. Well, I think L.A. is maybe a little bit different because they have such a plethora of young defensemen, right? Like you've got Brent Clark coming kind of thing. And, and so at some point they're going to have to create room for these young players in the lineup. And the only way to do that is by trading guys out. Obviously, True Doughty is not going to be one. So I think you start looking around and um, you land on Matt Roy pretty quickly. So I do wonder if there is a match there. Obviously, I think Calgary is a little bit different. Both are in the division, but one of them is like in the same province. And there's a bitter, bitter rivalry. Chris Hanna, of all of the defensemen that we've talked about, is so clearly the best one. Like, that is a top pair defenseman, and that's really the end. I think Edmonton would, would have to overpay uh, in that sense. But there's also a rumor that Vancouver might already want to move on from Nikita Zadorov. Um, could that potentially be a fit? Now, <laughs> Vancouver does not like to trade NHL-ready players within the division. So I wonder about that. But I think Chris Tanev is well above in terms of options when it comes to a Walker, a Roy, a Carrier. Like, I would take Tanev over all of them. We're a month away now. Any of these trades recently um, that you see possibly being, uh, you know, and you mentioned Zadorov, like where, where a team makes a trade for a guy and then either drops out of the playoffs or sees the fit isn't there, um, kind of double traded, or do you think these guys are going to land where they've landed now and stay there? I uh, no, I can see it. I could actually, I think if Kuzmenko rebounds, I could see him being traded uh, for sure. I could see Calgary flipping him. I I could see Vancouver moving on from Zadorov if they don't think that they're going to be able to re-sign him. Um, that just kind of is what it is. It's it's hard to tell, kind of right now because with the way that the NHL point system works, you're never really out of it until maybe March. Um, and so by then at that point, you need to have all your options on the table. I, I don't think flipping players is something that teams like to practice just because um, word gets around if a team likes to do that and then players don't necessarily want to go there. But I think we could see a situation where Noah Hannafin is dealt uh, it's Chris Tanev. Like we're looking at a situation where basically the Calgary Flames are gonna get rid of ninety percent of their core. Are you like is is there a, somebody asked me a question and I said I wouldn't trade any of the guys who are under term for next year because you got to play somebody in Calgary next season. But is there a is there a point at which it, they go too far? Like if they can't sign Hannafin, they trade him. They trade Tanev. Is is it? Is that a good idea to trade everybody? If I mean, if you're getting decent prices, even though they're futures and they won't play for a couple of years, it is better to get something than to get nothing. If you know 
that you're not re-signing them. Not hum and haw, let's see what happens. If you know for a fact you're not re-signing them and you do not get rid of them while you're not a contending team, like obviously there are contenders. Boston should not do that. Um, Colorado should not do that. But if you're in a place where Calgary is and you're very clearly not contending for anything and you know you can't re-sign a guy, it it is poor asset management and borderline unacceptable, in my opinion, to not trade them. Give your young players, call up Jan Kuznetsov, let those young players, you can get veterans back. You can take a bad contract back for those guys to play. And then you have prospects, right? Like Coronado is going to play a bigger role next year. Connor Zeri, maybe Sammy Honzek makes the roster. Uh, Jacob Pelte is hopefully going to be healthy. Like you have guys that can come in. But I look at it and I say, if you're not actually a contender and you just let guys expire without getting any value for them, you should lose your job. Yeah, it's it's uh, it starts now, right? I think I asked you this last week, but with those two trades that we just had, oftentimes you know the, it'll it'll trickle in and become more of a um, an accelerated trade deadline. But I feel like there's a lot of teams that that think they have a chance that can be bad because the pool of talent isn't there. Uh, but do you see an aggressive week ahead here, or do you think it'll it'll be m- closer to the to the trade deadline in March when we see a lot of activity? I think probably not this week. There's a lot of teams on a bye week. Um, I think what we'll probably see is maybe like the third week of February. We'll see some stuff. We'll see some some movement or some rumbling start to to get going here. Um, and then uh, leading up to the deadline, I think that week before the deadline is really when things start to get crazy. Like I know I would. I was carrying around an extra phone battery and basically not even sleeping when I worked in front offices around trade deadline, just because at any point your GM can call you and say, I need you to look at this, or I need you to look at that, or what do you think of this? And you got to be ready to go. So final question for you, Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. I watched some of the Grammys last night, most of them on video on YouTube, but I loved the Tracy Chapman and the Joni Mitchell. Uh, Declan, he was listening to... Uh, um, new order, so he didn't even watch the broadcast. Did you see it, and did you like anything there? So I just huddled and didn't watch TV or do a single thing yesterday because I I was having sensory overload, and I've got Super Bowl this coming weekend, so I just needed a couple couple days. But then um, I heard that Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs were going to be singing, and so I flipped my TV on for that. I thought that's incredible. I'm a big, I play guitar, um, so I'm, I like my music, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic to see Tracy Chapman. And then I would be remiss if I didn't say that one of my favorite parts was Taylor Swift announcing a new album. I cannot wait for that. Old guys like me, I, not me personally, but old guys like me are being critical of the title of the album. It doesn't mean I, I don't understand why it would be an issue. Do you like the title of the album? I'm not a big, like, I don't really care what the album title is. I care if the music on it's good. And uh, last time I checked, Taylor Swift has had no bad albums. So, I I mean, you can just put your fist through a keyboard and whatever comes out, comes out. And you can name it as far as I'm concerned, because (laughs) if the music's good, I'm listening to it. Well, all I know is... I'm looking forward to the Lana Del Rey country album, but I'm sure the Taylor Swift album will be great, too. Thank you, Rachel. Have a great week. 